So today we continue our series, Fruitfulness on the Frontline, and we're looking at that theme of being a mouthpiece for truth and justice. And a big uh, welcome to those who are joining us now in the uh, dial-in telephone service. Uh, you're very welcome. Lovely to have you with us. Let's pray together. Father, we pray, Lord, that you would shine the truth, uh, the light of your uh, truth into our lives. Uh, we pray, Lord, that you would bring your transformation in us and through us by the power of your Holy Spirit and in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. I remember hearing years ago about a young man, a Christian man, who went to work for a large retail company. Uh, the telephone rang on his desk and the very the senior boss of the entire company was, was walking down the, the particular floor that he was working on. And the person on the other end of the phone was was wanting to speak to the boss. So um, he said that to the boss and uh, the boss said, uh, tell him I'm not here. And in that moment, the young man had a split second decision. He, he held out the phone and he said, uh, you tell them that you're not here. If I can lie for you, then I can lie to you. And I never will. A courageous decision and one that uh, in this case led to the young man becoming a very trusted employee of the senior boss, uh, but a courageous decision to make. Those issues of justice and truth are part and partial of our day-to-day -day lives. We may well wonder, well, in the middle of a COVID-19 pandemic, uh, what place is there to be, be thinking about truth and justice issues? But uh, they're, they're so integral to who we are as human beings and, and part of our human uh, society um, that they're things that we need to be always uh, aware of, thinking about and alert to. The Archbishop of Canterbury, Justin Welby, at the end of March, just as the lockdown was starting, said that just because we're in the middle of a crisis, it doesn't mean that we can't have a vision for a future where justice and righteousness are the keystones of our common life. In other words, there's never a time for us to say, well, we'll think about all about that later. We should always be seeking a vision, a redemptive vision, because as he says, the cry for justice is a, is a cry for a redeemed society, that there's this longing within us for a society that has been, uh, has been redeemed by God, has been, has been brought back uh, to the place where it should be. And uh, there are questions that he highlighted, uh, very important questions, particularly in light of the huge economic bill uh, that is going to emerge out of this crisis. Questions like, is it just, is it, is it right that the burden of paying back that bill should fall disproportionately on the shoulders of the poor? Is it right that when this is over, we don't look into why this virus has had such a disproportionate effect on members of the black and Asian minority community? Is it right if world leaders don't ask, what more can be done to help countries in the developing world, especially Africa, where poor healthcare infrastructure meant that people were far more likely to die of disease if they went to hospital than in Western countries? And what about the smaller things of our day-to-day -day lives that are no less important, the ones that happen on our daily front lines. 
what's our vision for truth and justice in those places that we may, be, we may be a part of building a more just and righteous world. Justice is not an optional extra. Certainly it's not an optional extra for God. It's central to his design for our lives. Isaiah 61, 8 says, as it says many times in the Psalms, I, the Lord, love justice. Proverbs 21, to do righteousness, do right, to do righteousness and justice is more acceptable to the Lord than sacrifice. Amos said, but let justice roll down like waters and righteousness like a never flowing, an ever flowing stream. Learn to do good, it says in Isaiah 1, seek justice, correct oppression, bring justice to the fatherless, plead the widow's cause. Both legally and morally, the context of justice is about putting things right, things that are wrong, where there is injustice to overturn it. It's about restoration. It's about overcoming suffering, cruelty and poverty in our front lines, whether that's in our family, our neighbourhood, our school, our workplace, our town, our country or in the world, by what we say and by what we do. Jesus is very clear in Matthew 25 in talking about the sheep and the goats and the separation between them. It says, Then the, the king will say to those in his right, Come you who are blessed by my father, take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you invited me in. I needed clothes and you clothed me. I was sick and you looked after me. I was in prison and you came to visit me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when do we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you something to drink? When do we see you a stranger and invite you in or needing clothes and clothe you? When do we see you sick or in prison and go to visit you? The king will reply, truly I tell you, Whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. It's a really powerful challenge for us all in this, about how we see people, how we treat people. Are there people that we see as more deserving of justice than others, more deserving of dignity than others? Or do we recognise that every single person is made in the image of God, wherever they are, whether they're hungry or naked or whatever colour they are or whatever their background is. There's a challenge for us all in this uh, to look away from ourselves towards what's happening in the lives of other people. In Second Samuel, we're told that King David uh, was having to face up for uh, acts of injustice that he'd carried out that we, we can read about in the earlier chapters, about how he had, um, uh, on a number of ways, broken the Ten Commandments uh, in terms of adultery and murder and um, covetousness. And, and so he perhaps thinks that he's got away with it. But then Nathan the prophet is sent to him by God and this is a big challenge for Nathan to come to the, the king, the, the, the power base. Um, it's been revealed to him what's been going on uh, in, the, in, the, in the palace. And, um, and so Nathan comes to him and in a very wise way, but a, a very challenging way, 
he, he puts it to David about the sin that he has committed. And because of that, there is, there's so much good that flows out of that. But Nathan, of course, has no idea what the outcome will be. He's simply doing what he senses God is calling him to do, even though he knows that it's a very risky endeavour. At the heart of our Christian faith, there is an ultimate story of injustice. It was unjust because Jesus was tried and executed for crimes he had not committed. And unjust because the one who was the overseer of justice, the Roman governor Pontius Pilate, was aware of Jesus' innocence, but he went along with it. Pilate made an effort, but the full dark forces, the pressure that bore down on him, revealed his weakness. It was too much for him, and he became an accomplice in injustice. All of us are victims and all of us are perpetrators. Isaiah 59 paints the picture of God's nature, our nature, and God's solution to it. The Lord looked and was displeased that there was no justice. He saw there was no one. He was appalled that there was no one to intervene. So his own arm achieved salvation for him and his own righteousness sustained him. He put on righteousness as his breastplate and the helmet of salvation on his head. In other words, the Lord acted because nobody else could. And so he used the injustice of Good Friday for good. It was the ultimate act of redemption. And so at the heart of our Christian faith, is this wonderful declaration. Christ has died. Christ is risen. Christ will come again. The hope that we have in the fact that Christ has died is the fact that Jesus, fully God and fully man, understands what it means to be a victim of injustice. It also means that he died to bring us forgiveness. He died to bring justice and he died to bring us forgiveness because we know that we too have acted in ways that cause suffering to other people or have not done things that would have alleviated suffering to them. Christ is risen declares the victory and the fact is that because Christ is alive, we know that he is with us, that he, the King of heaven, the heavenly dimension is at hand. And we can sense his presence and power and guidance and comfort in our lives. And so by his spirit, the Lord is comforting us, he is convicting us, and he is training us. He is assuring us as well of God's forgiveness and Christ will come again to judge the living and the dead justice will be done and so in the midst of this world in those instances where we do cry out for justice and sometimes there is some level of justice that is um, is recognized and meted out 
but often there's not. And so we have to wait for the perfect judge to come, for full judgment to be carried out. Knowing the fact that yes, we long for justice, but we also need God's mercy. And we as believers, as followers of Christ, have that mercy. And so I'd, I'd encourage you today, if, if you're not a follower of Jesus Christ, to trust in him and to receive his justice and his forgiveness in your life. Because none of us will be able to stand at the judgment on our own merit. All of us are perpetrators. All of us need forgiveness. And all of us need the strength to, to act differently in our own lives and to be people of justice, people of courage and people of compassion. To be alert and aware that by the Holy Spirit, to be sensitive to what is right and what is wrong and to have the courage to do what is right as we are empowered and strengthened by the Spirit of Jesus Christ. These issues have always been important and they're going to be perhaps even increasingly important in the months and years ahead. When we look to the issues that are increasingly emerging in our local society of poverty, of mental health needs, physical and psychological wounds, discrimination, and so many other issues of, of poverty and injustice and suffering and, and challenge uh, around us. Micah 6, 8 says, What does the Lord require of you? To act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. That's the call on our lives, a call that is only possible through Jesus Christ, that we can be those who are washed clean and become those with pure hearts and clean hands. And no matter what is in our past, no matter what we've said and done, no matter what we should have said or should have done, we know that there is forgiveness for us. There is a new start for us. And also as well, there is justice coming. And that God, the judge in Jesus Christ, will make sure that in the end all will be well. And that we will stand in the righteousness of Jesus Christ. And to know that in the here and now in our front lines, that justice is coming and is coming in and through us as followers of Jesus Christ. As we are trained by the Holy Spirit to be people of courage and compassion, to be sensitive to the work of the Holy Spirit. And even in those moments where quick decisions need to be made, that we know what needs to happen because the Holy Spirit is our guide and we are clothed in the armour of God, the helmet of salvation, the breastplate of righteousness, the belt of truth, the shield of faith, the sword of the Spirit and the sandals of the gospel of peace. And so on our front lines this week and in the weeks and months and God willing the years ahead, may we be people who, who speak out truth and justice and act for truth and justice. And so may people be drawn 
to the Lord, the Judge, the Saviour, Jesus Christ, as they see among us and among us as a Christian community, what it means and what it looks like to be people who are guided by the Holy Spirit and are increasingly becoming people of pure hearts and clean hands, people who are holy, people who represent God on earth because we've been made in the image of God and we've been remade in the image of God through the blood of Jesus Christ and by the power of the Holy Spirit. And so we can be like a window of light into a dark world by Christ's light shining through us as we are those of people who are people of truth and justice. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you for the good news of Jesus Christ. Thank you that you're making all things well, all things right. We pray, Father, that you would wash us clean and forgive us. We pray that you would clothe us in the armour of God, make us sensitive to your Holy Spirit, and fill us with compassion and courage. May we be silent when we should be silent. May we speak when we should speak. May we act when we should act. Lord, may your will be done and may your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. May we bear fruit to your glory on our front lines. In Jesus' name, Amen.